countdown is almost over. Mumbrella 360 begins next Wednesday at the Hilton, Sydney. Get ready to hear from over 170 international and domestic marketing experts across six stages. Dive into successful case studies and discover new strategies from big-name brands including TikTok, Uber, the BBC, Spotify, Meta, and more exclusive only to Mumbrella 360. You'll also hear a Mumbrella Cast Live special featuring Mim Hysom of Suncorp and Nick Garrett of Deloitte Digital. Don't miss out on the biggest media and marketing event of the year. If you haven't already booked, now's the time to do it at mumbrella.com.au forward slash mumbrella360. Welcome back to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Callum Jasmine, and today we regroup for another audio edition of Campaign Review. You'll hear from two of the industry's top talents on some of the Australian brands and creative agencies' newest and best work. We'll look at ads from UN Women, Fuck the Cupcakes, Cars 24, Ampol, McDonald's, and 5am. Then, in line with the release of the Create Space Report and Action Plan, the ACA's Tony Hale and Hannah Sturrock will join the podcast to discuss the findings of the industry-wide census and how the body looks to press forward to drive change. Joining me today is Chief Strategy Officer at Howitson and Company, Dom Hickey. Welcome, Dom. Hi, good to be here. Great to have you here. And joining us as well as Creative Director at BMF, David Roberts. Hey, David, how are you doing? Hey, guys, good. We were supposed to be joined by my colleague, Khalil, but unfortunately she has joined the, the many, many Australians at the moment to be struck down with COVID. So sorry to hear that, Khalil, and we wish you the best. So uh, let's crack into it with the first ad. Uh, I, I thought seeing as it is a particularly uh, feisty Windows day, we should start with the Macca's winter spot from DDB. Uh, it takes a sort of Attenborough-style look at the Aussie winter activities and you can sort of feel the cold coursing through the, the camera work there. Dom, why don't we start with you considering this was from your old home, DDB. Uh, what, what do you make of this one? How does it kind of stack up against the usual Macca's work? Yeah, I really like this spot. I actually think Maccas don't normally celebrate winter, so it was nice to see them show up in this moment. I think there's a really good truth in the ad, which is Aussies really hate winter. We kind of spend winter not wearing the right clothing, not really having warm houses and just huddling together. So I just felt there was a good truth there. I think Macca's role is always about being in culture and playing in culture but not overtaking it. So I felt like the role of the brand here played out quite nicely. For me, this is one of the freshest spots that Maccas has done for a while. Yeah, I, I would agree. You could um, definitely feel that there was sort of that that Maccas tone throughout it without it kind of, uh, I guess, stepping on the toes of their usual summer vibe, as you say there. David, what were, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's one of those ones maybe that um, kind of work, works at you a bit more over time. The more, more you watch it, I think it's got is a real gentle uh, truth to the insight that I think sort of grows. You know, we do we do huddle together um, in winter. So, you know, I mean, the other thing, you know, I like penguins. I like uh, penguin analogies. So it's got... Uh, <laughs> It's got that going on. You know, I think I think it's got a real, you know, I think it'll really resonate um, as, as something that's got, yeah, uh, it's very, very relatable. So I think it'll it'll do well. Do you think the, the fact that they sort of did play on that sort of very recognisable Attenborough style sort of immediately 
endears it a little bit to the the viewer yeah i mean i i guess the um you know just aping the nature documentary uh, you know has been done quite a bit in in creative campaigns over the years but um i think this has a fresh take to it so um i think it's it's, it's got it's quite charm but i think people will get it yeah and you know the cut to the family watching the penguin doco at the end you know eating mac is kind of you know, it just makes it nice and clear for everyone. So it's a, I think it's a good populist ad that, you know, would do well. So uh, next up, we'll take a look at Ampol's new spot from Saatchi and Saatchi, uh, Powering Our Way of Life. This is the second campaign since the brand, uh, I guess, rebranded uh, from Caltex. And it looks at Ampol's future-facing energy solutions, which include a rollout of its Amp Charge electric vehicle charging solutions. Um, David, we'll stick with you to start on this one. There's been, I guess, a lot of conversation recently uh, and global sort of movements in particular in Cannes about sort of coming up and put, giving opposition to fossil fuel companies and their advertising. Um, they've made a pretty clear change to sort of focus on the, the future energy here. What did you make of that? I, I wonder if it's one of those ones where it's um, an ad about what they plan on doing in the future rather than what they're actually doing. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it would be great if, if that rollout is, is happening, like they say, but obviously we know brands are pretty, um, uh, you know, famous for doing ads about what they hope to do, uh, you know, distracting you from what they're actually doing. You know, member BP changed their name to beyond petroleum, um, many years ago and, you know, they still sell plenty of the stuff. So. Uh, yeah, if they are doing that, it's great. I mean, I thought this spot has really great direction. Um, I, I thought there's some, you know, really great sort of style to it. The floating pie is probably my favorite moment in there. But um, I don't know if it all clicks together, the, the strategy for me that it's, it's sort of, you know, it's very kinetic, it, lots of really cool things, but I, I'm not sure the powering out way of life really comes comes through. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure it all sort of sticks together for me. Yeah, this is a hard job for them. I think fossil fuels are the new tobacco, so they're rapidly becoming everyone's favourite industry to hate. I don't think as a brand they can go dark while they make that transition as something cleaner. So this felt like a good way to almost distract people a little from the problem. There's some good clean energy cues in there. I thought it was really nicely shot. It's deliberately warm. I love the pie shot as well. Like I think that just brings a real human moment into it. Uh, I felt like it was really busy. There was a lot going on. I almost would have liked to have seen it as a the same shots in a 60 with a bit more space or a shorter version with a bit less going on. But I think given the challenge that they've got and the you know where they're at at the moment, they've done a really nice job of bringing the, in industry, the in energy into it for the average consumer. Yeah, of course, it is a sort of... Um focus time for i guess these fossil fuel clients we have that agl pitch which uh, as we understand has been on put on hold while the company kind of decides where its future lies as well uh to your point david i mean you know coming up with marketing while you still um are deciding you know where you stand on these issues is a is a tricky task um so let's move on to we've got two here on a sort of similar topic area um, but they both definitely take different approaches. Let's start with the Fuck the Cupcakes one, which was a campaign from InOcean. Um, it's, a, it's a longer sort of campaign video, 
um, and it's the first four fuck the cupcakes that industry movement it centers around a male office manager in a sort of thick of it peep show style ad uh, with the you, you know I think it mentions at the end the man displays 34 ads acts of sexism across the complete spot Dom what, what did you think of this sort of direction that this one took mm-hmm. and the overall intention and the execution yeah I, I think this is such an important piece of work and I really wanted to love it and champion it but it fell a little short for me and I think maybe strategically that's because my challenge is trying to understand who it's trying to influence and what they're trying to get them to do so it felt like the parody treatment of it took it to a certain space the scenarios were really overt and I think we're facing into issues that have evolved a little so sometimes the harassment or the issues that women face are a little bit more covert or a little bit sort of less Uh, out in the open and it just I couldn't work out if it was for men or women it felt like uncomfortable watching for everyone and it landed in the space of a bit of a sexual harassment training video for me which may not be a bad thing that might be where they were trying to take it to but there's a long piece of content that I think didn't I wasn't quite sure where they were trying to land yeah and uh, I mean fuck the cupcakes do sort of describe themselves as kind of trying to force um men into action over these issues and I think that was the focus but it was potentially unclear with the the shots in the mail it's funny you say some of these issues like that but then you know last week we had the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson being asked um, by a select committee if he described one of his male colleagues as uh, as being handsy which was one of the terms used in the clip there so uh, uh, David what was what was your sort of take on that one is it maybe directed at men so how did you perceive it? Yeah, I mean, the, the Boris Johnson thing is interesting because maybe that is one of those things that, like um, Dom said, where it is more insidious and it is more, um, you know, subtle where perhaps if, if that was, you know, um, you know, the Boris Johnson thing, someone being, you know, assaulting someone and perhaps it was someone that you might think of traditionally as being more um, on the receiving end of that, it would have been, perhaps much more black and white, but maybe because it was a bloke and a bloke, he sort of dismissed that and thought, oh, that's not the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. So I think that sort of proves the point that that it's perhaps in the more, the less obvious examples where people need to sort of really understand, you know, where lines are crossed. So, um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, look, the the, the cause I think is really important. Um, you know, uh, I think they, they seem to have that real at, sort of agitating um, aspect to, to what they're trying to do, which I think is really good. Uh, I, I think the um, maybe the use of exaggeration doesn't quite land. I, th- I think the, um, you know, the, the blatant examples that you're seeing through the film probably aren't the biggest challenge. It, it, maybe it is some more of those, um, you know, the subtle things. And I, I think just the way it's tied together at the end, uh, I think it maybe could have been a little bit clearer, you know, the, um, I was just sort of thinking there was, a, there was something that I saw recently that was for um, the Reform Alliance. It was about reforming parole and the video started, actually told you at the very beginning what you're about to see here. Everything is technically illegal. And then the film played out and it was actually all these examples of uh, parole violations where there can be really human, understandable reasons why that might happen. Um, and therefore, I think the rug pull at the end of it just makes you feel really, uh, I guess, shocked and wanting to wanting to kind of do something about it. I think in this film, the way it ends with, 
you've seen all these examples, you know, only three, only um, a third of them, you know, weren't unspoken and um, you can't stop casual misogyny with silence. It feels like there's a real layering of different, perhaps conflicting messages um, that, uh, yeah, don't make it as clear to what the message is and, and exactly what the outtake is for people watching. Yeah. And then um, following on from that, we had the the campaign from UN Women from um, the Monkey's Pub, Accenture Song. This one um, takes, I guess, a bigger look at gender equality, obviously not just in the office and the industry kind of focuses on the many feats that they are predicting uh, humans will, well, I guess that have been predicted that humans will achieve over the next however many years, including the first trillionaire, 70-year uh, age-reducing technology, a transatlantic shuttle, and these will all come before uh, equality is achieved for women. Dom, a very different tone here. What what, what did you make of that? Yeah, I, I think it's really hard for them to follow the work that they did last year, which was really celebrated and in, incredibly well done for, you know, the, the when will she be right work. And I think they've done a really brilliant job. I don't think you can follow it the same way. And I think they've come at it in a totally different way, but really the same message that progress isn't happening fast enough. Uh, I think the out of homework really takes your breath away. The stats in the out of homework are such a strong rallying cry. They're really beautifully designed. It's brutally simple and they're absolutely shocking. In the film, I found maybe the craft got in the way of the message a little. It was just a harder get, but I think as a campaign, once it's combined and you sort of start to see different messages, it's really, really great work. Yeah, I I really love this campaign. Um, I think just the biggest thing that that hit me and I think that pulled me into the the spot was it's so unnerving that the the tone that they've, they've, they've gone for, the sort of um, quite unsettling, unnerving music and, and everything about it. It, it. it feels like it really suits the, the, the fact at hand that, that it is unnerving and it's unsettling um, as is the, the fact that they lay out. So uh, it really got me. I, I just think it, um, it's also perhaps because of the tonal decisions they've made, the creative decisions they've made, it, it, it makes you feel quite reflective, um, you know, and, and by the end it's got also quite, there's a real optimism to the CTA with when they lay out that fact and then let's change that. It really invites you to, you know, pulls you in to want to um, engage with the topic. So, yeah, I, I really, really like this one. I, I thought it was um, really compelling. Um, I think, you know, one of the things is just bringing a really surprising and unexpected tone for a type of, brand or category i think flipping what you would expect um is such a such a good way in you know it just really often leads to the best work so i think they've really done that here um in a in a way that's just yeah it's fantastic do you think with dom with some of these ones i guess the tone is really really important and then also kind of david as you mentioned there at the end um sort of I guess leaving with you, leaving you with something. You kind of mentioned that 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 the ad we saw beforehand from "Fuck the Cupcakes." You were a little bit unclear as to what it was actually asking you by the end of it. Yeah, I the, I would have liked to have seen at the end of the "Fuck the Cupcakes" something that quantified when, which sounds a bit weird, but the line would have been stronger at the end if it had said all of these things have been ex- experienced by women in the past year. And I know that that we have a huge problem to solve, but I think we often talk about um, issues in a way that's quite timeless. 
And what the monkeys have done is really quantified something. I actually think at the end of the spot from when will she be right, the line was we're 100 years away but we could do it in 10, find out how. And that all Mm -hmm. of a sudden starts to reframe a really big problem into something that you could take action on and you could make happen. And when you're dealing with a problem this big and behaviour change this big, I think you need to give people a way in to start to understand how they can help and how they can be part of the solution. Otherwise, I think it feels a bit overwhelming and people really struggle with what to do next. Yeah, and we've got, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we've got uh, the the ACA's Tony Helen Harana Starek kind of coming on the podcast to discuss um, a similar topic in, I guess, relevance to the advertising industry in particular. So hope you'll stick around for that. Um, on to the next two. We've got two more to go. They're a little bit more, I guess, um, lighthearted. Uh, the first one here is from Cars24. It's its second campaign since launching into the Australian market in September last year. This one's from Milkman um, and it's called Dodge the Dodgy Car Dealers. Um, David, how, how do you think Cars24 kind of sells itself as a challenger brand in a super stacked category in Australia? And what did, what did you make of that approach? Yeah, the business model is is definitely interesting, isn't it? And we know people just hate hate used car um, dealers, and and I think there's you know it feels like with the tech and uh, you know logistics opportunities now, the idea that they can actually just make make good on this promise is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it is very challenging. Obviously, they've got an enemy, and they're they're really portraying that. Um, you know, most of the ad is the enemy, right? So you're kind of left with that. Um, you know, as one of the main outtakes. I like the, uh, I suppose the intent of it, I really like. Um, I love the line. I think the future of used cars is is really, really strong. I think that there could be lots of stuff that you could do, uh, you know, going forward on that one. Um, I'm not quite sure. It's, it's tricky, I suppose, when you're trying to, uh, you know, take aim at your enemy. You, you've got to make sure that, um, you know, in this case, they're trying to be, you know, really, really funny with that one. I'm not sure every single line kind of works, um, but yeah, I guess that it's an enemy that everyone hates, you know, so um, it'll probably resonate with a lot of people. I guess it's one of those ones where you're not, it's not a specific enemy. It's a sort of an, an, an idea of an enemy. Um, Dom, did it, did it make you kind of think back to any dodgy car dealers you've had to come across? Or? <laughs> Look, I love the line as well. I think I really agree with you, David, on the line. Uh, the point of making the enemy dodgy car salesman miss the mark a little for me. I actually think the enemy for these guys is a new car and it just feels like maybe the trope of a dodgy salesman has been well covered. They've probably done their research, so I do need to caveat it by saying I'm not in the market for a car. Uh, but I think there's a we're at a point in time where new cars are really hard to buy. There's a six to eight month waiting period on a new car, like supplies are low. I think they could have maybe tapped into a different insight about the enemy for them is new cars and they can make buying a used car really, really easy. That feels like it might have been a, a better tension for the story. It felt like it sort of just took me back to something a little dated with the well-worn, dodgy, bad-teeth salesman tropes. Yeah, I felt like that a bit. I, thought that, I, I kind of agree with you. I thought the opportunity would surely be to sort of position it against like, look, it's so hard, you know, you've got to wait a year to get a new car, buy something just as good off our app. And, you know, that's the that's the kind of position that we're going to take up. Um, 
but anyway, you know, we'll see what they do with the next one. It was already quite different to what, their first campaign, so I'm sure they'll keep making um, keep making fun spots. Uh, finally, we move to the organic yogurt brand 5AM's first major campaign in over three years. Uh, this one created by the works part of Cap Gemini. Um, this animated spot features, uh, the, my, I think probably my favorite part is the name of the cow, Steve Moo Queen. Um, as the cow looks on to the more luxurious lives of cows in the organic fields across the paddock, then plotting a grand escape. Um, David, what did you make of the, the grass is greener uh, approach? And um, I guess, and then Dom, I'd like to ask you what you think from the strategist point of view makes a, a good ad in this category. Well, I really love sound effects and the, the sound effect of the udder wobbling. Um, it's, <laughs> the, the cows running is uh, was particularly good. <laughs> I, I really like that one. Um, so, see, I'm a, I'm a very simple, uh, you know, creative. Just a sound effect is enough to get me to like it. But look, it's, it's, it is very charming. I think, um, you know, the, the kind of chicken run uh, sort of esque world they're creating, I, I'm sure will sort of, um, you know, it, it's, it's quite a crowd pleaser, isn't it? I think, I mean, just on the line, one of those things I, I feel like that, that wraps it up, you know, it does feel like one of those things where the clients crowbarred their brand name into there. I can imagine it might have been the grass is greener on the organic side to start with and they've, they've had to chuck in the 5am, which I think feels a bit clunky. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's quite charming. I mean, there was something we, we were just discussing before about the, you know, what makes a good ad in the organic category. Was that something you were... Yeah, well, I, I was going to ask Dom that, but I think we were discussing that beforehand as well. Yeah, go go ahead, David. If you, I was just going to say. I mean, it's it's. I don't. I think the answer to that is that there isn't one answer to it because, you know, I think being really authentic can work in in, in some regards and a completely different on one hand, and then, but doing something that's really emotive or that's really funny can also work. So I think just because it's an organic category doesn't mean that there's only one way into it. That's probably my my take. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. I actually quite like this ad. I think it's really simple. Happy cows uh, make happy yogurt. It gets the message across really clearly. I liked that it really avoided all of the category conventions of mum chopping up fruit and then, you know, cows in rolling fields. So I think there was a lot of personality to it. Um, I think the assets are distinctive. It looks like this is going to be the first in the series, so I can see them rolling this out over and over again. I had a comment that only someone that's watched the ads four times in a row would have, which is why was Stevie Moo Queen not a 5am cow? I kind of feel like maybe she should have been the 5am cow liberating cows that didn't have a happy life. <laughs> uh, but that's definitely overthinking the problem. In the category, this is good. It's distinctive work. It stands out. looks different from every other yogurt brand. And the message is really clear. And um, to, after we've spoken about all six, to put you on the spot, what was your favourite of the six each? It's got to be the monkey's work for me. I think it's a tough brief that they've challenged really well. And it's uh, it's kind of terrifying and motivating at the same time. Yeah, I, I love the monkey's uh, UN work. I think just such an unsettling tone. Uh, I think it, it really unexpected. It, it, it really suits the um, the fact that they've got, uh, it's so, so, so strong how they've framed the fact in that really powerful way. Um, I just think it just adds so much um, 
punch to their to their point. Um, really well crafted and and just feels really really fresh for um, for that um, the cause. Brilliant. Well, that uh, concludes another edition of the audio campaign review. Up next, we have the ACA's Hannah Sturrock and Tony Hale. For this next section, I'd like to welcome the, the Advertising Council of Australia's CEO, Tony Hale, and National Head of Engagement, Hannah Starrick. Welcome to you both. Thank Hello. you. And how Good are you to doing be today? Here. I'm doing very well, thank you. So um, by the time this comes out, you will have presented your Create Space Report and Action Plan um, webinar on Thursday morning. We'll get into the results of the report in a little bit and kind of where we go from here. But I think um, a good place to start might be, um, Tony, if you could tell me why uh, now was the time for this census uh, and to really look at the issue holistically and sort of what areas it looks at specifically. Yeah, we've been, we've been um, aware for some time that there's lots of things that have happened in the advertising industry over the last five years. And there's pressure points here and there. And we were having a look at the UK, particularly with their all-in study that was done via Kantar. And we realised when you, when you see the extent of the data on that, we just didn't have an accurate picture in Australia. And we didn't want to look at one or two issues. We wanted to have a holistic viewpoint. So we came to the conclusion pretty quickly that the best way to do it as as difficult it was as it was in a small country like Australia where you don't have the critical mass that you might in the UK and in Europe, that we really needed to replicate a similar study that, so that we could have a look at it across all measures, age, ethnicity, sexuality, religion, um, all, all of those things. We needed to have a complete, complete look. So uh, I guess a few uh, stats that come out of it, some of the headline ones we have to start. There was um, 2,652 respondents, quite a significant, um, I guess, census base to work from then. Uh, 81% of the respondents were in New South Wales and Victoria, more than 55% under 34 years old and 83% under 44, with a split of 60% female, 39% male and 1% non-binary. Um, and Holdco and international brands taking up 41% with 22% uh, multi-office Australian brands and 27% single office or independence. Um, so I guess the, the results, they are, as we mentioned, they're quite significant. Um, how do you sort of, how, well, first of all, Hannah, it would be interesting for you to kind of take us through what you thought some of those headline, I guess, results were or some of the more telling ones and then how you sort of get the message across to the industry that this is a real representation despite you know what some might I guess or have until now said isn't an issue. Oh I think the um, foundation of this project was to remove the um, sort of bias inherent bias that we all bring to our view of the industry um, we 
we were adamant that doing a robust piece of strategic diagnosis had to underpin this project. Otherwise, we were sort of going in with a, a biased view, looking for data to support a biased view, and that would not have delivered a robust strategic plan. It wouldn't have been able to um, be something that we could support long term. So I think the... Um, the methodology that we use, the sample size that we got, the analysis that we've done should really convince most people that this is an accurate picture of the industry. And it's worth saying it's a picture of the industry at a point in time, um, like any census. This was the people of the industry as of December 2021. Um, we didn't collect a lot of qualitative data on what had happened historically in the advertising industry. We really asked you a lot a lot of questions around your current employer and your experiences in the last 12 months. Um, so it, it is accurate. It is how we look and feel and behave today. Um, the, I think as a result, maybe some of the results that we initially got, they weren't as sensational and like headline grabbing as we were like, what? Oh, that that's quite good, isn't it? Oh, that's not what we were expecting. Um, so there was definitely plenty of uh, data there to support the fact that the industry's in pretty good shape. Um, you know, we're not doing too badly. We've basically got good internal relationships and and people do feel that they belong, you know, um, you know, that culture of, yes, this is my place. This is my kind of, this is my dysfunctional family. Um, it did kind of come through and maybe it didn't um, live up to the, the sort of shocking headlines that you read quite a lot um, in the, in the media. But I think the, the real beauty of this data is that yes, macro level, there's quite a lot of positives. It's the power to segment it and look at it through um, intersectional lenses. That's where you realize, ah, okay, this is where experience kind of starts to divide. And there is a definite difference of experience when you are not part of the majority group. Um, and if you belong to a marginalized group, um, in in one, two, or many ways, your experience of the industry is definitely not so rosy. Um, I thought the the um, inclusion index score, which um, just uh, for listeners, is uh, the sense of company belonging plus absence of discrimination minus the presence of negative behaviours. So the score for the industry was 62, which is quite significantly above the Australian industry average, which uh, I think was 43. Um, but then in, in terms of advertising, just below the World Federation of Advertisers at 64 and the UK Ad Association of 67. Um, do you think that, why do you think that is in terms of the advertising industry being above, but it's still a conversation which is, I guess, so front of mind for this industry, Tony? I think it has to be. Uh, you know, we're a creative industry and a creative industry really does rely on diversity, but it also relies on, relies on inclusiveness and it relies on equity. You need to provide a safe space for people to be free to talk their minds. It's, 
I've often described advertising as a collision sport. It's, you don't sit in the stand. You've got to be there. And if you're on the ground and you're competing and you've got different perspectives and viewpoints you, you want to bring to the table, then you have to do it in a respectful manner. You have to allow people the, the space in which you have to create the space in, in which they can freely, confidently and openly give their perspectives. That's the way you, you get creativity. And creativity has a bit of attention around it already because creativity is not always easy. There is a little bit of conflict and tension with, with, with good ideas that you need to be able to explore. So from advertising, you have to be better than other industries. Mm -hmm. Other industries are a lot more process-driven. We're not. We're creatively driven, and you have to provide provide that um, that environment, that culture. Yeah, I mean, I would agree, and I would I would say, you know, I think maybe one of the issues has been a certain complacency um, on tackling. I know because. This report does cover, you know, everything from diversity inclusion to, you know, think other things like sexual harassment. I mean, one of the stats that kind of jumped out to me, I, I think it was on the slide that said what we are doing well, and it said seventy three percent of companies are taking or actively taking steps to improve diversity and inclusion in the workplace. But I, I kind of read that and I flipped it and I th- thought, well more than a quarter of companies in the Australian industry are not actively taking steps. Do you think, you know, is there is there always improvement in these and are we going to continue yes. to have to keep improving? Yes. That, I, I, I think you're taking the perspective exactly, exactly as you need to. In, in this industry, in many ways, you've got to have a, a glass half full perspective because you've got to be optimistic. You've got to be um, looking f- for the future. But by the same token, if you don't cast a critical lens over everything, you know you're not going to continue to improve. So I, I think you're absolutely right. It's not just about what you're doing, it's about what you're not doing because unless you're continually evolving, until you, until you, in, unless you're continually trying to chase perfection, which you'll never reach, it's just like the creative pr- process. You know, every time you get a brief, you're trying to chase that perfect answer. And I think the industry has to have that restless and relentless nature to it um, to continue to improve. I was going to, I was going to say um, the, that idea of um, the, the perception that uh, people are taking active steps being 70%. Remember, this is the perception of the people within the industry so it might be that everybody's working on it but it might not be that obvious to everyone it might be that you've done your policies it might be that you've got you know some kind of gender balance if you look at it through a particular angle but this is talking to the people in the industry they don't all feel that everyone's actively taking steps so you know there's also that angle to to reflect on and Hannah, to Tony's point before about approaching things with, you know, that balance of glass half full and also, I guess, um, I, I found it interesting, maybe a shift in the the sort of language that ACA has used. There was a, um, a statement that ACA put out last week, which was quite strongly worded. And I, I feel like some of the language in um, the presentation also, um, I guess, takes a bit more of a stern tone. How, how important do you think that is in order to get people to sort of take this seriously? Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got to balance. There's always this balance going on um, 
and it's a hard one to be honest uh because um there's no point sort of couching everything in in sort of just percentages we have to be able to tell the story that comes out of the data and humanize it um and we do have some great qualitative um, data as well with quotes from people that really, when you read the quotes, it's like, yes, you feel that this is actually happening. And it doesn't really matter if perhaps from your own personal perspective, you don't see it that much. Um, you don't, you haven't felt it that much. Um, it's our job to to present this data in a way that you can't not acknowledge that these are real people's experiences and feelings. Um, and you know what, even for you, perhaps in a very privileged position um, where perhaps the industry has treated you really well um, and you don't see a lot of discrimination, our job here is to force some sort of recognition that we don't see everything with 2020 vision. We see everything through our own personal bias. Um, I, I might think that the biggest issue is gender representation, but I might be looking at that through, from my position as a, you know, a, a privileged white woman who's had plenty of support in the industry and no one has ever asked me that, you know, commented on the fact that I speak for English very well, um, or, you know, has never thought of me as a leader because I am, you know, from an ethnic minority that's my experience of the industry and I cannot assume that everybody else shares that. So I think our, we do have to use strong language. We do have to punch out some of these, these big learnings so that everybody can and will pay attention. And Hannah, this, this, well, now we've got the census report, the second part is the actual response and the action plan. You've uh, called this phase one. Yeah. Um, can you take us through a little bit of, I guess, what phase one will include and how you will actually go about getting agencies and Australian advertising companies to kind of take this on board and, I guess, have some buy-in? Yeah, this is absolutely phase one um, because there is a lot of data from the census um, and as we, we as we went through in, in the webinar, there are so many um, spots, fires that you could run towards and try and solve everything. Um, and that is just not strategically smart um, and not really practical. And I think most people just would feel overwhelmed if there was 25 things to go out and do um, tomorrow. So yeah, this is phase one. Um, we've, we've, we've taken three pretty universal themes from the census that affect a lot of people in the industry um, and chosen uh, three calls to action um, for the industry to all rally around where, and we've made these calls to action accessible as well. So this should be um, equally viable whether you're a 10-person agency or a 200-person agency or you're just working as a consultant, everybody can kind of inform themselves and um, take action in their own way around these three things that we've chosen. Um, the first one is to address gender inequities and improve the experience and retention of female talent. The second action being to improve the experience for talent with mental health challenges. 
or something that's very widespread in our industry. And the third action is to address microaggressions for everyone to thrive and particularly marginalized groups. Microaggressions is a fairly new term, but extremely common and very prevalent in the Australian industry. These are just these everyday little, everyday little acts of exclusion or demeaning behavior that are almost benign if you sort of don't you know if you take a, a generous view you don't think that they're that serious but actually cumulatively yeah there's a lot of mental distress there so we've created actions around um, steps to take to address all three actions we've made these things very much around awareness driving and steps that you can take to inform your team refresh your sort of policies and compliance and to build a culture where we're sort of destigmatizing, encouraging conversation, encouraging exploration, encouraging people to sort of inform themselves, read more and familiarize themselves with these things so that it just becomes a more natural discussion in our industry yeah. that will hopefully increase um, awareness, but also increase kind of um the accountability for the industry to actually uh, measure these these things in a in in a way that makes sense for them, depending on on the size and nature of their business. Yeah, and on those three areas, there just a couple of um, the the findings which I thought were kind of a little bit, I guess, revealing. Um, <clears throat> one in four women have uh, been bullied or undermined in the workplace. Eight um, percent of women responded that they had been sexually harassed in the last 12 months alone, um, which I thought was a pretty um, shocking statistic. 28% affected by mental health, uh, almost 50% or on the receiving end of microaggressions, as you spoke about there. Um, and one out of five believed that they had been called out for potentially, well, not potentially, for being uh, too overly political, politically correct. Um Tony, what would what would your response be? I guess if if an agency came back and said, "Well, this is all great, but we've actually got our house in order, so we're actually going to just keep on going how 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 we've kind of got things set up already." Uh, well, let me answer it this way. I mean the the advertising industry, the advertising council Australia, in fact, most industry organisations, they're not legislative. Mm -hmm. um, organisations, you can't dictate to any member exactly what they do. But what you can do is you can appeal to them in a number of ways and you can set up um, methods to encourage them to do so. But the vast majority of members have got the resources and they're already well down the track with all of these sort of things. It's not new to them. They're, they're, a lot of them are doing them in any case, doing these things in any case. But when you're in an industry organisation, it's not all about the big ones. It's about the independents that may not have the resources in-house to enable them to, to get there. So in order to encourage them to do it, what you try and do is break the back of it. You try mm -hmm. and say, here's what needs to be done and develop some step-by-step -step guides, give them toolkits, give them resources, give them education, provide all of these things so they're a lot simpler. So if you're a 30 or 40 man or a person, I shouldn't say man, a person, because we know that 60% of them are going to be female, but if you're a 30 or 40% um, person organisation, it may well be that your 
struggling to keep up with your work and you don't necessarily have the resources internally to start from scratch. So this, this enables any member, whether they're large or small, to be able to address some of the key issues. There's a great deal of camaraderie in the industry and I think you'll find that they're supporting amongst members and amongst competitors to follow the track. The other thing you can do is that while you can't legislate, you can build minimum, minimum acceptable standards into yeah. accreditation. And we are building, um, we're building an accreditation program at the moment. And from 2023, we will, we will start to roll out an accreditation program that will have minimum acceptable standards in there. And it's very difficult to do that unless you provide the tools and resources in the first place. So, so, you know, you've got to take it logically step by step so you can help all members, no matter whether they're holding companies, international brands, multi-office organisations or single office independents. You've got to be able to help all of them go on the common journey. I was going to say that there's always a balance to be found and it's that uh, equal emphasis on rather than I think a lot of the narrative tends to be on cracking down, I think we're taking the approach of how do we build up. So as Tony said, we can't really set minimum standards unless we're investing in building up the awareness and the consciousness and the and the focus and really un- helping people to understand that. I've worked in independent agencies for most of my career and yet there are not a lot of resources going around who are just focused on HR, people and culture stuff. It is, you are stretched so thinly I know that this sort of initiative would have been an absolute godsend to me to have all of these things in a way that I was like, right, okay, I can do that. I know what that entails. They've given me a template. I can basically adapt that and go. So I think we're, we're really taking the build-up approach um, and then we can really uphold those standards with confidence. Yeah. And um, you, you have committed to doing another census at the end of 2023. Um, what, just briefly, uh, just finally here, what, what would you like to see from that, um, I guess, a little as we look a little bit down the Movement. line? Yeah, we want to beat, beat the UK. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would right, like, you see, you we would like our inclusion score. Yeah, I we mean, would like our inclusion score to be higher. We would like to see a decrease in um, negative behaviour. I would really like, I don't want to see one in five people being likely to leave the industry because of diversity and a lack of inclusion and discrimination. If they leave because they want to do other things and try other industries, that's fine. But if they're saying that they're leaving because of a lack of inclusion and discrimination, that's something that we can and should be tackling as a business issue. Hannah, Tony, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. That is it for another week on the Mumbrellacast. Please make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on and check out mumbrella.com.au for more content and updates. Dom and David, thank you very much for joining me this week. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, pleasure. And thanks to Hannah and Tony as well. See you next week.